Episode 4, Instincts. Each Tell Me a Story podcast will have a different theme. In our fourth episode, we'll focus on instinct. Instinct, by definition, is an innate, typically fixed pattern of behavior in animals in response to certain stimuli. We live by instinct every day without even knowing it. Albert Einstein said the only real valuable thing is intuition. In this episode, we'll explore why instinct is important, especially when it comes to life or death situations. In our first Go With Your Gut story, we introduce you to a self-defense method for teen girls that utilizes a natural instinct, fear. A little bit more pop. Good. Judo coach Aaron Sekulich tells teenagers a powerful tool to protect themselves is built into their bodies. It's the natural reaction to fear. It's harnessing the startle flinch response and using it as a protective mechanism, but also turning it into a, a weapon to, to protect yourself and, and keep danger away. Ready? Through step-by-step -step demonstrations, oh, he shows students how to defend against physical oh, attacks by standing strong, using balance, and an arm's length technique called spear. The stance of spear uh, recruits the strongest muscles in your body. Troubled by the high rate of physical violence against women, Sekulich teaches the technique during summers at La Pietra School. By taking a class like this, it instills confidence in young ladies. Today, six teenage girls took his class. Since I'm recently graduated, I'm going to go off to college. I thought it'd be good to have some kind of self-defense methods to protect myself. Students are also taught how to detect danger and how to defuse a tense situation. It could definitely be valuable just in case like anybody wants to like kidnap me or something, you never know. Sekulich has taught the spear technique to dozens of women and girls, but it can be used by anyone. Some of this stuff is used in military training and police training, so definitely it could be good for boys and men as well. Extend your hip into it. And for those of us who, you know, you can't see it in a podcast, but the spear technique really is extending your arms out in front of you so you can keep somebody at arm's length. That's the whole idea of it. You don't let them get into your space. And that's what he teaches the, these young gals, how to do that, how to protect themselves by doing that. And he bases it off fear. It's that reflex that we have to push away. Uh, and so that's how he teaches them how to defend themselves in situations and to get away from them by, by running. There's nothing wrong with running uh, and, and not engaging in situations like that. It's a, it's a reality that things can happen, and they can happen really quickly to anyone. And it's funny, you know, watching the girls go through this class, we were there the first day when it was happening, so they were very shy. They didn't want to strike out at the, at the, uh, at the punching pads that he had and, and, and all. But as the day progressed and they got more confident with themselves and their bodies, they really got into it, you know. And he said by the end of the five days that he teaches this, they're a lot more confident about themselves and their ability to take care of themselves in certain situations. In our next story, a witness to one of the world's darkest days recounts putting his instincts to the test in this story of resilience and hope.
Lawrence Miwa was born in Honolulu. He was five when his family moved to Hiroshima at 14 the morning of August 6, 1945. I saw the two B-29s going to Hiroshima. Miwa was in middle school with classmates on a mountainside 25 miles from the city when he saw the blast. We didn't know that, that was the uh, first atomic bomb. He remembers the blinding flash of yellow light and wondering if his family survived. When he returned to the city, he was stunned by what he saw. On the ground, there were only burnt lumbers and ashes. That's it. The bombing killed 70,000 people. Many more died from radiation sickness and cancer. Luckily enough, uh, our house was built on the steel structure. So my father was in there, and he escaped the direct radiations. His parents and sister were gone, but they left a message scrawled on the wall of a water tank. And they said, we escaped from the, you know, the uh, city safely. A few days later, he found his family. Miwa would return to Honolulu and graduate from high school, then college, before finding success in business and banking. He is now 88 years old. I thought it was the end of the world. He told his survival story at the annual commemoration and peace service. He says the atomic bombing and its aftermath taught him this, you can triumph over tragedy. Very, very nice man. To sit there across from him and to try to imagine what he saw through his eyes when he went back there, just, um, I can't imagine. He kindly shared, you know, what some of what he had experienced that day. And he's made a great life for himself and his family after, uh, as a businessman here, and a very kindly gentleman. And that honor that they uh, gave him being the keynote speaker uh, in the remem on the Remembrance Day is very important because it meant a lot to him meant a lot to him to share his story again. And I'm just glad that he sat down and shared it with us. In our last story, Instinct helped save the life of a longtime Waikiki beach boy. It was a combination of his own instinct that something was wrong and a lifeguard's instinct that he needed help. On August 1st, Harry D.D. Robello was surfing during a big south swell, minutes before his heart suddenly stopped beating. I went out canoes first, I was paddling in, and I sat up on my board and I was telling myself, something, this isn't good. The lifelong Waikiki Beach boy remembers waving to a lifeguard who pulled his jet ski alongside. We got towards the inside and I went to check on him and then he was, he was uh, unconscious. Another lifeguard rushed to help. I'm always thinking what could I have done better? You know, I wish I maybe started paddling over there maybe f five seconds sooner, but you know, everything worked out. Ocean Safety rushed Robello to shore where emergency responders used CPR, then a defibrillator to bring him back. I needed to get zapped. So they brought me in and they zapped me. I came right back one time. Doctors say Robello experienced sudden death syndrome, unrelated to the heart attack he suffered two years ago. Uh, yeah. uh, 
He said thank you many times to the men who saved his life, who are also his friends. He did it again today. I'm just glad I was able to be there for him because, you know, he has a wife, he has two young boys. Surgeons installed a pacemaker and Robello gets regular checkups. He says he feels great. I try to look at something bad, make it positive. This is as positive as something bad is going to get. And Lisa with the two SUPs, they paid already too? Robello runs Aloha Beach Services, the company his parents started in 1959. The near-death experience has given him a new appreciation for life. There are two aspects of instinct with this story. Uh, Didi had the instinct that something just did not feel right uh, when he was paddling in to shore that day, but he also would not have been surfing that day if he if there wasn't a big south swell. He was going to be canoe paddling in a whole other part of the island. And because of the fact that he was where he was at, that's happened right next to his Beach Boy stand. He knows all of these lifeguards. He feels that if it happened anywhere else, he wouldn't be alive today. The lifeguards knew that he had had an episode with his heart a couple of years ago. So one of the lifeguards said, I was going to keep an eye on Didi when I saw him in the surf lineup because I knew of what happened a couple of years ago. So I wanted to kind of stay close and keep an eye on him. And that was the lifeguard's instinct, that uh, he was there right when he needed him to be. And then the other lifeguard helping as well. So that's where instinct really comes to life, saving somebody's life. As our fourth episode of Tell Me a Story comes to a close, I wanted to end with this story of someone following their instinct. Automaker Henry Ford faced falling demand for his cars and high worker turnover. So in 1914, he did something that probably made other barons of industry go pale. He doubled his employees' wages. People thought he was making a really bad move, but they were wrong. Within a year, turnover dropped dramatically, while productivity nearly doubled and demand for Ford cars boomed because Ford's own workers could now afford the product they were making. It goes to show if you're fearing trusting your instinct, you're not alone. But trusting it might make all the difference. For Hawaii News Now, I'm Jim Mendoza. I look forward to meeting you for our next installment of Tell Me a Story.